Hey, John Richards, a cut above whole review. We are on episode number 29 talking about Henry portrait of a serial killer from 1986. I think an underrated director, John McNaughton, uh, a lot of fun to talk about. We have some thoughts about this movie. So thank you so much for wherever you listen to the podcast. Episode number 29, Henry portrait of a serial killer from 1986. Get ready and Enjoy this one because we're going killer on this one. It starts now. Cut my life into pieces. Good evening and welcome to a Cut Above Horror Review, a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host, Jacqueline, and tonight we will be reviewing the film Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer from 1986. But first, let's meet everybody else on the show. First up, it's Hydraberg. What's up? Greetings, salutations. Oh, a little formal this evening, yeah, are yeah. we? How you doing? <laughs> good, good. How are you? I'm good. What's doing going good. on? What's new? Nothing much. I saw that new Scream this uh, weekend. That uh, shiny new Scream? How I was it? Five Cream. It was no good. spoilers, please. I recommend it. If you like the Scream franchise, you're going to like what they did here. If all you're right. not a fan at all, it's not going to win you over. But it's a really good movie as far as uh, just the way it's made and it's pacing and everything. It's got good acting. Good to know. I, I liked it. It wasn't good bad. Good to know. Now, I heard that you had a sore throat after you saw that movie because you were screaming so much during the film. Is that Yeah, true? I was like, as soon as Sydney Prescott was on the screen, I was like, oh, my God, I fangirled out. <laughs> Well, I mean, who could blame you? It's a take. Well, I, I hope that that sore throat heals up very quickly. Yeah. And next up, we have John. What's going on, John? What's going on, Jacqueline and Hydroberg? Good to be back with you guys John. this week. Episode 29, and I, I thought about it. It's it's kind of, it's rad. I mean, we, we've been consistent <laughs> every single week as far as like doing the, well, once we officially launched, it's it's been consistent. So it's awesome. I know. Sorry about my throat. Yeah, sorry about my throat. Um, I'm not sick. I think it's just because it gets really warm during the day here in San Diego. And then at night it gets a little chilly. So it just kind of, I, I, I don't feel sick. I don't feel sniffly or any kind of fever. It's just my throat's just kind of gone. So I apologize. Are you down I'm, with the sickness? Wow. Get up. <laughs> Get down with the sickness. <laughs> uh, well, so then we all three of us have throat issues. So this episode. <clears throat> Just sound a little scratchy overall so yeah i never drink tea but i'm drinking a green tea with some honey in it just to oh, help good. coat my throat and it's 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 helping a yeah. lot so it's good it's good for you mm -hmm. yep sometimes when i have a sore throat i just get a spoonful of honey and a little lemon juice and just swallow mm -hmm. that it's good helps the medicine go down mm -hmm. go down my mom used to give me a spoonful of butter topped with honey and i would wow. eat that and it would Sounds coat my good. throat is that yeah, a Florida it was pretty, thing? I've never heard I that in my know. life. Was, Jacqueline was, was 250 tasty. pounds when she was 12. <laughs> she, she was four. Yes. No, I don't know where it comes Baby from. Weight. It's just uh, it's just what, what she gave me, and it tastes good on biscuits. Yeah, I can too. see the butter like coating your throat a little bit, and the honey. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. So if you need biscuits. advice about medical issues, come to A Cut Above Horror Review. We've got them for you. Oh, yeah, we got them. Right. All your remedies right here. Come All right, the sick. end. We're done. <laughs> what if your butt itches? No, I'm just kidding. We, we won't get then it. Then you there. scratch it. 
<laughs> well, I have too many kids. And so I could tell you that Aquaphor works best. <laughs> it works on tattoos. You have well. advice for that now. <laughs> Multi purpose, awesome. the Aquaphor. <laughs> it's good for everything. You there can put it on a biscuit too. <laughs> and you can put Aquaphor on tattoos, Hydroberg. That's what I Mitch just said. said. That, yeah. I mean, Hydroberg, sorry. We here at uh, Cut Above do not recommend eating Aquaphor, by the way. <laughs> Disclaimer. <laughs> Also, none of us is a medical professional, so don't no. actually listen to us. No, listen to Jacqueline's husband because he is officially. He okay. is. So like by osmosis, I kind of am. I kind okay, of am a doctor. Yes. The unofficial doctor. All right. I like Asterisk, it. I am not a doctor. All right. John, <clears throat> have yes. you kept up your New Year's resolution thus far? Do you have news? For I us do. It's uh, and I do want to go back on something Hydroberg said at the very beginning is uh, uh, Scream, the, the fifth installment, 2022, made over $35 million at the box office this past week. And so, nice. again, Hydroberg, I want to reiterate um, you don't necessarily have to be a fan to watch this movie without spoilers to enjoy I mean, it. Yeah, you don't have to love the friend. It's a good movie. Uh, it's a good, you know, it's a fun ride. I just think like if you don't like Scream at all, like it's not going to win you over. It's not going to be like, oh, I get it now, you know. Right. But if you like a couple of them and, you know, I think you're going to like it. It's worth seeing. Cool. Here's another question. Just hypothetically, what what do you think viewer? I know it's hard for you to say since you've seen all the movies, but what do you think a viewer would say if it's like a teenager who's just kind of like coming up in the horror genre and maybe hasn't seen any of the Scream films? Do you think a viewer like that would appreciate this one? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think so, because this movie sort of uh, like is is marketed towards that audience the younger audience. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of younger new characters in this one. And um, I think they associate with that, the generation, uh, the new generation. And then, you know, that hopefully that person would want to go home and watch the original after. So Mm -hmm. So you can follow the story and stuff, even if you haven't seen the other Scream films. I mean, yeah, they allude towards things is, you know, you're aware that there's there was a crime years ago and you know there was a guy who wore a mask and people got killed but well i kind of love the fact that they brought back the three original character characters of dewey gail and uh sydney i I thought that was cool so uh, you know again dewey dewey and louie it's not the ducktales come on (laughs) (laughs) flashback that you just did that Uh, okay, uh, Blumhouse actually coming out with a new movie. They're remaking, or they have a new a- adapt- adaptation of Stephen King's novel Firestarter, which was, actually came out, mm. I believe, in 1980. Uh, no release date for it yet, although they are giving it an R rating because oh, of nice. graphic violence. So, uh, oh yeah, uh, hell yeah, faces melting off, and yeah, I'm actually, uh, I don't know. I haven't seen Firestarter in a long time. I knew Drew Barrymore was the main star of that movie, but yeah, yeah I'm actually kind of excited. I to liked see it. Firestarter back in the day, but I haven't seen it in a long time. I don't right. know. If it I don't think up. I've ever seen it, nor right. have I read the book. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's a cool premise. I don't think it's one of Stephen King's like most hailed novels, no. but uh, that's why maybe a remake won't be a bad idea. Maybe yeah, maybe give it some new life. Maybe I'll read the book. Well, yeah. perhaps it's a little underrated because they did make a movie out of it back in the yeah. 80s and they're, you know, rebooting it, I guess. Yeah, so. there's got to be something there that's good enough to, like, explore, hopefully. So Absolutely. maybe Drew Barrymore will make an appearance. Ooh, Ooh. I'd like that. Talk about yeah. being meta. There you go. Right. Hey, 
Scream. Sorry, that was a callback to Scream. Um, very excited about this, and I actually posted it up on our Facebook page, Cut Above Horror, uh, Cut Above Colon Horror Review. A twenty four has announced their next title. It's called X. X gonna give it to you. Yeah. Directed by <laughs> Ty West, of course. He did uh, House of the Devil. He did The Sacrament. What was the other movie he did? Innkeepers. Innkeepers. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. The guy's awesome. But it's like uh, we're a big fan of Ty West around here. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, like um, I think he did some of the shorts on um, VHS as well. Yes, he did. Actually, yeah. um, coming out March 18th. Have you guys seen this trailer? Mm. Yes, I have. Yeah. All right. Initial thoughts. I'm going to go with Jacqueline first. What are your initial thoughts about this? Uh, d- does it give you a vibe about anything? Oh, well, now I feel like I'm taking a pop quiz because um, I feel Not like at you all. Know, my... your initial thoughts about the, the, the um, trailer. Yeah, I mean, well, to answer the question I thought you were asking me, it gives me some like Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibes. That's what I got. Uh, But yeah, it looks it looks intriguing to me. It looks like um, creative. It looks creative and original. And I'm I'm here for it. Okay, so I'm going to put this out there right now. And whoever's pick it is, I think we need to review this movie. Okay. Uh, of course, sure. As soon as it comes out, I think we need to review this movie because to me, it looks so interesting. It does. I'm on board anything A24 does. And Ty West. I'm a big fan of House of the Devil. I'm oh, a big yeah. fan of The Sacrament. Yes. I haven't seen that one. I have to watch Ooh, that one. Hydroberg. It's good. It's, it, oh, yeah. it's fantastic. It's very so, good. Yes, and he's absolutely. also, I think, a frequent collaborator with Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, okay. Maybe. I don't know. I think they're all friends and I think they've done stuff together. I think they did um, pieces either together or separately for the ABCs of horror. The first one, did you guys see that? Mm. I didn't. I thought those were a little too brutal. I mean, ABCs, yeah, I I have seen both of them and I just, some of them were okay, but other ones just like went a little too far for me. Some of them were on like another level. Yeah, (laughs) you should. If you, got the stomach for it check out the abc's of horror no no all of them are so like, basically like, sorry go, go ahead john i was yeah. gonna say it's the if you don't know the premise hydroberg it's 26 it's an anthology of 26 shorts one mm. centered on around a theme for each letter of the alphabet okay and so i mean each one is maybe like three to five minutes long um and yeah i mean it's like any other anthology it's uneven and there are some that are better than others but some of them are really like how's the reach around the <laughs> i i don't remember if there even is one john is there no i, I don't know if there no there really isn't the because it's just a B, C, D. like this yeah. is how it's not spoiling anything this is how you die they they, they okay. basically you know a a uh asphyxiation or whatever it is you know or be you know bludgeoned you know it's yeah. th- that's how they die so yeah there's no real kind of it is an it anthology you're right Jacqueline it, it is an anthology however it's not yeah there's no wraparound there's nothing connecting yeah. anything to anything um well then what I like about that is that they don't tell you what the letter stands for until the end of the short right so oh, you're kind of cool. guessing throughout like what it's what it's going to be that's cool anyway that's that's neither here nor there but i'm pretty sure that simon barrett and adam wingard and ty west did did pieces for that or and or the second one i know there was a second one i didn't see it but i'm pretty sure they they did something for the first one and yeah i I wasn't i wasn't the biggest fan of those but house of the devil huh 
Also, the devil had a really cool like 80s vibe. Like that, he was sort of nailing that 80s vibe. I see this one definitely looks like 70s-ish with the Texas Chainsaw vibes and like the old school porn. Um, narrative. it feels exactly like that. Yeah, like mid so, to like yeah, an homage like to 70s films. Mid 70s, absolutely. Yeah, I get that yeah. big time in the uh, trailer of that. There's some visitor vibes too. Or... Yes, a little yes. bit. Yeah. I don't want to see any more trailers after this one. This I one already revealed I, I, enough. Where I don't, I don't yeah. want to see any more. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I really think that we need to review this one when it comes out. All right, let's put it on you the docket. It. You got absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, man. All right. Um, any more news? No, okay, that's it. All right. Well, so let's get into Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. John, this was your pick. Was please please tell us what motivated you to choose this film. <laughs> Okay, it was 1988. I was 12 years old, so that's dating how old I am right now. Um, I first saw this movie, and it disturbed me from the beginning. Hang on, you were 12? 12? John. I'm not judging. Jonathan. I think just said 10. No, 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 no. I saw it in 1988. I was 12 in 1988. Yes, I know. You're 12 when you saw it. Yeah, I was. Right? Yes. That's, okay. Okay. Uh, it, we all had that friend that the parents yeah. didn't really give a shit when you had <laughs> yes. a sleepover at their house. Love and that they friend. had Cinemax, they had Showtime, they had HBO, and you were able to watch all these movies late at night, like two o'clock in the morning. You would stay up and watch these movies. So <laughs> I did. I was the only one that watched this movie and it disturbed me. And the thing is, is the more. I've seen this movie, the more I hold it in regard in my heart as far as a horror movie fan. Um, I think in, in Hyderberg, I know that you're a guy that likes to multi-watch a movie before we review it. I'm not. I'll watch it once, make my notes, and yeah, I'm not necessarily going to make my decision of what I feel about the movie until we talk about it. I watched this movie twice this past <laughs> week. I watched it you know, straight. And then I watched the Joe Bob version of it. Mm. And it's, <laughs> I got to say that uh, I have actually put this movie in my top 10 horror movies of my entire life. Wow. So um, I hold this in high regard. It's hard to watch. I, I, I don't think if you're the casual horror movie fan, you're going to get it or, or it's, it's going to kind of fuck you up a little bit. So I got to say, I feel a little sad for 12-year-old John right now. Like, I, I just I'm not a serial... Like, well, maybe I am, but, you know, I'm no, not I'm a serial. I'm not sad serial. for you now, but I'm sad for, like, the 12-year-old that saw that movie. I just, I don't... I mean, well, I don't again, think you were ready when, for that. I, don't, I didn't know you then, but that just seems I, like, yikes. But I also think at that age is that you're starting to understand humanity, but not... You don't get it completely... But you see like violence and blood and stuff like that. You go like, oh, that was cool. Or that was cool. And I've seen this movie multiple times. So I'd be, I've developed a very good appreciation of what John McNaughton did with what he had. And, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, it's just, it was like the, you know, the titillation of the, the violence and everything else that was going on in this movie at 12 years old to later down the line appreciating what, what this director did and what these actors and actresses did in this movie that I, I, god man I was, yeah we'll, we'll get into the review but that's how i and feel you're, about you're, it you're it's definitely. very near and dear to my heart that's it all right all right 
All right. Fair enough. Well, would you like to lead us off with determining whether this movie fucks or sucks? I think yes. we can predict what you're going to say, but okay, go right ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, you already know I think this movie fucks. However, the you know the caveat is this is not for everybody. This is a very disturbing movie. But if you have a good stomach for it, this movie fucks, but it is going to tie you up. It is going to bend you over and it's going to pull your hair. Sounds like a good time to me, John. <laughs> well, I, I, I you're agree. just, that, totally you're just that. that sort of guy. A yeah. little kink to it. Absolutely. This fuck is meant for you. There you go. All right. Hyderberg, what's your uh, what's your proclamation? Uh, I think this movie fucks, but it fucks its own sister, which is to say that it's not a film I'd recommend for everyone. You don't you recommend that everybody stomach. fucks their own sister. Yeah, you need a strong stomach to tolerate this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like John said, if you're a casual watcher of horror, it's not going to be one for you. Nope. Yeah. yeah. Jacqueline, what about you? I'm, I'm right there on the same boat with you guys. I think it fucks, but this is not a Wednesday night in the suburbs, vanilla missionary style fuck. This is like... <laughs> This is like a gangbang in a White Castle bathroom at like two in the morning kind of. Oh, fuck. shit. So no. it's, it's dirty. It's dirty. It's rough. You're going to like need a shower afterwards if you were yeah. tetanus uh, shot. Maybe a tetanus shot. All, kind of, all kinds of shots after this one. So um, if you're not down for a rough and dirty fuck like that, then just, you know stay home it. and stay you know do some missionary style in, in your own bedroom but stay away watch. from this film yeah watch gremlins or something <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> all, all right. right uh i'm gonna put drop that spoiler, spoiler warning for us spoiler alert we're gonna be talking about henry portrait of a serial killer directed by john mcnaughton from What's 1986 <laughs> henry portrait of a serial killer if you have not seen this movie make sure you pause the podcast go watch it and then come back to find out what we thought about it all right, Hyderberg, we're in the White oh. Castle bathroom. We're ready for the reach around. There we go. Do, you, do you give reach arounds during a gangbang? I mean, I feel like that's I don't something know. I just skip, but anyway. I don't know. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know either. We'll do it anyway. All right. All right. <laughs> Take a look into the mirror and what do you see? A killer is staring back at me. With vacant eyes, he tells me lies. A gruesome death is your surprise. A VHS of your demise. One man shoots, the other kills, drenched in blood from where it spills. A madman bent on lady kills. With every corpse, he gets his thrills. An urge to kill he can't contain. The blood from Otis leaks down the drain. A killer never caught or brought to fame. Henry is his killer's name. Oh, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. this is the Rob Zombie mention of the show. Oh, I already have one later. Okay, well, you can <laughs> bring too. it up later. Yeah. Here, here's the thing, is that John McNaughton did something with this movie that that kind of encapsulates what you know horror did after this he incorporated like three different things uh like a documentary style found footage pov style and just straight up film and you know god damn it if you didn't see that with rob zombie and hit in house of a thousand corpses or or um uh, Devil's uh devil's rejects you know where it's just that kind of grainy you know, guerrilla style filming, which was to me, you know, I, I think people need to appreciate because this this motherfucker only had a hundred thousand dollars to work with. And Jacqueline, I apologize if that's part of your trivia. That's okay. But that's all right. But but 
I mean, you think about this. This this was 1986, and Blair Witch Project came out in 1999. So what? That's 13 years after, and it's a smaller budget, and it felt smaller budget. This one did not feel like a smaller budget movie, but the way it was filmed, it was. I mean, it was just like this guerrilla style, sh- not shooting, but filming of the streets of Chicago, and it's just. It, if anything, you've got to appreciate that the way he filmed it. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's what felt gritty. That's what felt dirty about this movie. Cause you watch it, you feel a little bit dirty watching. It, it, it's like being filmed, but it's not being filmed. And then it's you, like he filmed you, on location too in Chicago. So you get right, that. Exa- exactly. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, like to me, yeah, that, that's the film. I, after this last two, after these last two watches, I was like, man, I have so much more of a, an appreciation of this movie of like you have so little to work with but you did so much with it yeah i I couldn't agree with you more and it's like you're reading the notes right off my page john that i wrote down um i wrote down that i feel like this film is what i feel like it's what rob zombie is always aspiring to and can't quite accomplish so watching this movie i kind of thought this feels like a really low budget film but in a good way. It doesn't feel like a shitty low budget film like Thanksgiving, where you watch that and you're like, oh my God, their budget must have been like $10 for the quality of actors and the quality of writing and the quality of sets. And I mean, you can just see all the seams, you know, in the back on a movie like Thanksgiving, and it feels like it was cheaply done. When I say that Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer feels low budget, what I mean is that it feels like a home movie like it feels like not I'm I'm not talking about camera work I'm talking about the quality of the actors it feels like you're watching real people doing real things and you are accidentally witnessing this nobody seems like they're acting all of the locations feel completely real like seedy back alley type locations and it feels like you're accidentally watching something that you shouldn't be and it's it's very effective that That's was john at 12 years old he was accidentally again it was just it, it, i was a kid it, it yeah it felt dirty watching it yeah like like uh, seriously you felt really like well. you felt like almost a pervert like oh my god i'm just witnessing this live or whatever it is i actually and hydra before we get to you I, I was having a conversation with my dad about uh there was karen um not Karen Knox, but here in San Diego, like like uh, just a, an exit down from where I'm at, there was a guy that that pretended to be a highway patrolman and pulled her over and strangled her. You know, there was this big story about it, and uh, it was off of Mercy Road, and it was just it, it it was like the realism because this happened in 1986. I the the actual murder happened in 1986. I didn't see this till 88. So I think that's what affected me. It, it just was like, yeah, that's real. I it, it it felt like that story was coming to life a little bit, even though I know this was based off a different story. Um but it was real. It, it, it's like you trust somebody. I talked about and I joked about that because Michael Rooker's in it. What he did with this character was why he did not get even nominated because the uh, what in our MPAA, they, they make the ratings, right? They give this an X rating. 
there yeah, wasn't unrated oh, on IMDb. Well, I think when it first came out, it was yeah. it was considered an X rating because it didn't have a bunch of nudity because movies that had came come out before that, you know, Friday the Thirteenth, whatever, had more nudity, had more uh, graphic violence. I think because of the realism, and again, I watched the Joe Bob thing, and I was like, yeah, exactly right. You know, it was the realism of of like you're watching a documentary or or what did he call it? He called it a uh, uh, cinema veritas. Oh. oh yeah, 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 something like that. So a little piece of trivia about the rating um, is that this film, along with um, two others, the names of which escape me at the moment, were actually responsible for the creation of the NC-17 rating. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. So like X ratings were usually reserved, usually reserved like pornographic films. Yes. And I think there a Clockwork was... Orange was NC-17. Sorry? I think A Clockwork Orange was NC-17. Yeah, but that came out in the 70s. Yeah. Mm. Maybe they rated it later when uh, I came know. home. Maybe release. it was X. There was all, well, and I'm sure Britain is different from the US, True. but um, there was also some designation called like an A rating for adult, which was for like non pornographic films, but that still had like objectionable material in them that they didn't want minors to see. And so it was going to get that for a while. And then they created the NC 17 for this and, and two other films. Right. But um, yeah. Yeah. Heidelberg, like, Initial thoughts for that. I, I again, I went on my little diatribe as far as the way I feel about it. Yeah. Uh, oh, he's got to let the dog in. Who let the dogs out? I did. Hydroberg did. No, I let him in. Uh, no, I'm just. I like. I like the way this movie uh, starts, like with the music, and how we just get like a glimpse of all the like some of his kills. Like bodies just left in different locations, and they're all prostitutes. It looks like, and it's just like very disturbing. It just sets the tone like right off the bat. And then like you just had John, like everything's filmed on location. It seems in the city that apartment that they're in is probably a real apartment somewhere in a dingy fucking like building somewhere in Chicago. And it just you feel that like it just permeates the whole film. Yeah, it's very gritty. I wrote gritty several times in my notes. Yeah, I yeah. mean the score. The score was awesome. It just felt like this very, very ominous, like boom, boom. You yeah, know, just you know, it's like this raising. It, obviously, uh, a, a synth score, I guess you would call it. Synth, you yeah, know, definitely. somebody on an organ just going. Boom, you know, and it just gave this ominous feel. Uh, I'm going to go back to those first couple of kills that you saw. Is that Good. you saw a naked woman in the forest just laying there? Yeah. Um, and then Throwing it cuts to Henry <laughs> having di- or uh, breakfast in a cafe, and you know, saying something like, "You know, you you got a real nice smile there, honey, or whatever it is." Mm-hmm. And then you go, you cut to this other scene where it's a liquor store, and a couple is dead, or they got shot in the head, and it's just like, "What the fuck am I watching?" I mean, a- a- again, watching it objectively as an adult, you're just like man, this is disturbing as shit. Where am I going with this movie? And it does not disappoint. Yeah. You get yeah. that one scene of like, it looks like a prostitute on the toilet. Oh my like God. Nude, and it looks like there's a bottle. Yeah, is it shoved in her mouth? <laughs> yeah. I couldn't tell if it was shoved yeah. in her mouth or if it was like broken and like jabbed into her face. But it's I like, think it's shoved in her mouth. Mind it. <laughs> She's just left there with the, like, welcome. the running a little Thank bit. You. Yeah, it's really... Really it's like all the violence happened off a lot of the violence happens off camera in this and then you just see the brutality after you see what like what happened and did that like, disappoint I, you though I'm no, no no it still works they I they shoot it really well 
Heidelberg, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's so effective. And especially yeah. at the beginning, like we see, I think four or five different like murder scenes and it's interspersed with footage mm-hmm. of him just like kind of going through his breakfast or whatever. So we know that it's him and we're being shown that this is a dangerous person. Yeah. And that actually leads to like one of my favorite moments in the whole movie. It's just a little moment, but I love it so much. So we already feel like, oh, this guy's dangerous. And we see him pick up a hitchhiker and we like, I don't know about you guys, but I'm like, no, don't do it. And we never see anything happen to her. But then later he comes into the apartment and he's like, look what I got a guitar. And Otis is like, oh, where'd you get this? And Henry goes, oh, I picked it up. And that's, that's it. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no more mention of it, but you just know that was like and one of becomes, my favorite moments in the whole it, film. Yeah, it becomes like sort of set piece throughout the movie, though. And that's the thing is, and I, I think what makes it effective throughout the movie is you hear like kind of a voiceover thing of saying, shut up, shut, you know, almost like a demonic voice of somebody screaming. And then of him know, like having killed these people. Yeah. yeah and I, I thought, God damn, did John McNaughton just like make the most brilliant movie ever. And it's the most one of the most brutal movies you'll ever that, watch. You that know, guitar you can watch, reference is good. I'm yeah, sorry, from, go from, from my understanding, watching a movie like uh, a Serbian film, you know, it's very visceral. It's very like in your face as far as what they're doing, you know. And for me, the off-screen kills had no effect of how effective this movie was. No. That That it was just like... Um, you know, shortly after that, you know, they do the title sequence and everything like that. But then Henry goes to a shopping mall, right? And he's like scoping out his next victim and watching it multiple times. You realize that's what he's doing because he follows this woman home, sees where she lives and just drives off. And then later we find out what happens. Yeah. <laughs> so going back real quick to the guitar, now that we're talking about it, I, the, the movie ends, right? if we're just jumping real quick to the end, you get to see Becky when they're in the hotel room, she's playing the guitar, right? She and is. She's like, I yep. haven't played a guitar in a while. And he's like, it's time to go to bed. Mm-hmm. And then when we see in the next morning, he leaves, you don't see Becky with him. Uh-huh. And then they don't show what happens there either. Right. But then you see the very end, which, you know, I, I know I'm jumping ahead, but it's a really good ending. He just dumps <laughs> that so fucking chilling. bloody, it, yeah, that it's, bloody it's the most chilling so part chilling. of the movie because he just drives away. Becky packs up her stuff and they're just going to drive. They're going to go. Yeah. Oh my God. And freaking Rooker just kills this. And, yeah, he's and phenomenal. does so well with this because Michael Rooker's character smiles once during the movie. Like, like a, a true smile is when they get the video camera and they're mm. dancing around and having a great time. And he, yeah. you know, he's dancing with Becky. However, he holds character of, of being a psychopath and, not smiling throughout the movie he'll grin like they, they have the conversation at the table when uh he first meets becky and uh otis goes off does his drug deal or whatever he's gonna do and becky just breaks down and says did you kill your mom yeah i killed my mom with a knife each time oh, it's different i th- <laughs> i thought you killed her with a bat or whatever it was no, because yeah. otis had told becky and it's just like 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 this character of of henry was then he says he shot her and then she's like wait you just said you stabbed her yeah and he's like it's like he's mixing up all his other kills because most almost any kill he makes on against these women is probably really just reliving the one that that when he killed his mother the first time i kind of read it as just he's completely out of his mind that Mm -hmm. like 
in in his mind the scene changes and is like it's it's an amorphous kind of thing it does seem to target women though so that's why i think yeah and maybe childhood the only real part of that was that um michael rooker had mobby issues yeah (laughs) he, he, he seriously like like he was he was talking about his dad right so he had that kind of smirk on his face he was talking about his dad about getting the bike so he had this kind of smirk on his face and he's like i never got to grow into the bike but then asked about his mom he frowned i mean it like like Michael Rooker was such a good actor that that he just like as soon as it turned to his mom, you know, he got so upset he he, he frowned after that. He's just like, yeah. and then switched the story around. So like, oh, I don't know. And he goes yeah. into his childhood with when his mother was poor or whatever. Oh, put him in a dress, made made him made watch, him watch her, or, or, or made him watch her have sex with other men. Yeah. Uh, the dad was there, didn't care. Uh, the other thing. I don't know if you guys picked up on was he had a brother that was, I I, I guess disabled. Okay. And yeah. died. Yeah. And then he had a, the he, what did he say? He had like a brain disorder or something like that. Yeah. Or? Something like that. I, I, I don't remember exactly. Or a bone, disor- also, a bone the, disorder or something. I don't know. Yeah. At the end of the movie, he mentioned he had a sister all of a sudden that has a, a horse ranch in San Bernardino yeah, that's right. out there and then fly your daughter out here with, uh, with Becky. Yeah. So, so that makes me think that he's just all just bullshit, and like everything gets mixed up in his mind. Like, yeah, man. that's the brilliance of this movie yeah. is that he is a psychopath. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I mean, he, he may have had mother issues because that's the thing oh, that upset him. He definitely he has mother issues. issues. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when he was having the conversation with Becky, that's when it turned really serious, and he was just like almost getting defensive. Like that's when the smile turned to a frown. But then it was just like. Oh my god! How about that kill after the woman that he met at the? Well, he didn't meet her, but but he followed her home at the shopping, uh, at the at the mall. Did you notice the cigarette burns on her chest yeah. and face? Yeah, like, I didn't. I didn't pick her? up on that as cigarette burns. I was like, "What is that?" But that I cigarette know burns. Like, like he was like burning her. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if there was another scene or... where, like, we just the camera just pans around the body, right? You don't. You never saw him kill her. You just see. Right. The aftermath and it She's was like, like very effective. Yeah. Yeah. Hydroberg, I think I think you're totally spot on with that. And I and I think it just only works to this movie's favor that a lot of the violence it's not as like bloody and violent a film as I think it seems like. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't actually see I mean, we we do see some very brutal violence. Um Oof. I would say mainly the videotape they're watching of them yeah, of seems- uh Henry and Otis killing You're the, talking about the family of three. Yeah. Yes. With yeah. the the husband, the wife, and the son. Oh, and God. then of course Otis raping Becky towards the end of the film. And so th- I think those are like the the most graphic and and brutal scenes in, in the movie. But for the most part, Henry's kills are off screen. We see the aftermath, or like the scene where Otis kills the first you know, his makes his first kill when they're like under the overpass, he shoots him. And it's, there's, it's not particularly bloody and it's not like, you know, it's, it's like kind of a disconnected sort of killing. I think. There's also a, a, a big discrepancy between Otis and Henry is that, you know, Otis becomes like the, 
you know, uh, actually Henry becomes Otis's mentor, right? Yeah. yeah. Otis is but, like the but, protege. But Otis gets pleasure, like visual pleasure out of it, like laughing and everything like that. And just, ha ah, ha ha. He's about to rape, rape a woman that he broke her neck and getting ready to pull her pants down. And you just, you're right. That, that's one of the most disturbing scenes. But also when, when he makes his first kill, like when he shoots that guy that's trying to help them out, he's laughing. Henry goes, are you, are you better now? You know, yeah. And yeah. He, like straight face, frown on his face. Henry never smiles. I mean, again, the only smile that he makes is like when they're videotaping, just being in the apartment, dancing around with Becky. They got music playing, drinking beer, whatever, whatever is going on. But then it turns. I mean, the way Rooker plays this part was so brilliant because like like he turns on a dime he just sits down he's like no you know stop filming but it's just like he's not okay with like no he's not abusing women in that sense so either even though he kills these women it's weird so i think of the sexual stuff yeah so i'm i'm definitely no psychologist but i feel like there's a big like sexual mother dynamic not to untangle here for smarter people than I, but it definitely seems as though these experiences from when he was a child, how he was forced to watch his mother have sex and she humiliated him by making him wear a dress while he was watching. It almost seems like for him, like sex and violence get conflated in his mind that like, I feel like sometimes his violence is, is almost like his means of sexual gratification. We don't actually see him really having much of a sex drive. He seems to strongly disapprove of any kind of sexual violence. Like anytime yeah. Otis is like saying lewd things to his sister Becky, he's like, "Stop that, Otis!" And yeah, he grabs he, him by the yeah. hair, like he's getting ready to kiss her or whatever. You know, after yeah. she grabs a he's beer like, for don't him, don't do that. She's your sister. Period. Yeah, that's yeah. And then he's he's the one that stops Otis. For, you know, from he like stops while he's. What am I saying? He makes Otis stop while Otis is raping his own sister yeah, and yeah. he's the one who gets him off her. And so there's there there's a sense of like, I mean, it's almost humorous to say it, but like kind of a moral stance that he takes against sex, but like to a very unhealthy degree. Like, correct. He almost it, seems it, incapable of like healthy sex drive and he gets like interrupted about, when he's making out with Becky. And How, how about he has a code? And you, you've seen Dexter, right? Have you guys seen Dexter? Yeah. There's a there's I a code. Never watched it, but okay, okay. A serial a serial killer has a code. So Henry has a code in this, and the thing is, is you see it in one small little scene towards the end of the movie where he he went he went to go get a pack of cigarettes. He comes back. He sees this older woman with a dog, and you know he compliments the dog uh, and the woman goes oh well say thank you and it's a girl dog and he called him a boy or called this girl dog a boy dog and she walks around this corner and he stops like 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 he wants to kill her yeah he watches her he's got this craving but he has this code and he stops and he just goes back home and then realizes that becky's being raped by otis yeah got a method yeah well, so that scene actually made me think. So that scene took place right after he and Becky got interrupted by Otis when yes. Becky was trying to like seduce him. And it it made me almost wonder, like, you know, 
it's almost like his sex drive was being activated by this little scene with Becky. They get interrupted. And then I almost wondered like to gratify that sex drive. Is he looking for a kill to like, you know, get that energy out? Cause I, I think I, they I really think he, get conflated. I think he was, but the fact that he had interaction and the woman saw him um, it, cause he had mentioned is that if, if somebody sees your face or whatever, is that, that you can't kill them because he gives this, he gives this whole like, a d- diatribe to Otis of like, okay, if you're going to kill somebody, you know, the first time you kill them with a rope and then yeah, you can don't use, use the gun. same oh, gun I, twice. I, I, I can't, I can't use a gun. No, you can't use the same gun twice and then yeah. use a knife. And, you know, I thought it was really brilliant filmmaking from McNaughton that, you know, he follows her like, like, like he's got this craving, but then he goes, nope, the code, I can't kill her because she was walking down a dark alley with a dog. I mean, she saw him once. What if it failed? <laughs> mm-hmm. What what if what if she survived? She saw his face. Yeah. Like he was clean as far as you don't know where he's from. I mean, the, the guy was so mysterious, is that that they had he had nothing, you know. Yeah. Well, I think that Henry needs to be in like a support group with Norman Bates and <laughs> the killer from Christmas Evil because they I all was thinking have these, Christmas Evil. They all have these weird sexual hang-ups and Hang moralizing up, yeah. from these childhood experiences with their mothers, and they need like a support group and, and a therapist. Like, I got zero this. rape from this guy, like 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 Henry. I got, but I think he disrobed women and, and you know humiliated them. But I, I got. Like zero that, that that he actually did anything sexual with. There's no, no sex not, in his violence, no, as Bush would say. Yeah, he doesn't seem it, it doesn't seem that way for sure. It seems like against his code. Yeah. But like Otis so. was at that first kill when Henry kills in front of Otis, like Otis is not really cool with that. No, he's at shocked. Part, he's not comfortable at all with it. Yeah. And then like Well, he just chokes the blonde woman yeah. out in the back of the car and then ends up breaking and then the, neck, snaps the neck of the other yeah. woman that's no, giving like, what the fuck are you doing? oral yeah. sex um, i mean it just comes around eventually but he's definitely not as detached as henry is he's not but then i but i but then i also feel like once otis actually starts and yeah. kind of gets a taste for it i almost yeah i almost feel like he again this sounds laughable but i almost feel like he has less moral standing he than henry does like he is gleeful about but it. That's yeah. the thing. And I Henry mean, doesn't like, seem gleeful. He seems well, like if you, it seems like an animal need. Yeah, it's Henry. an outlet for him. Yeah, it, like with Otis, he just he needed a reason to be able to do these kind of things because he did it with his sister. I mean, he was like, and there was a like he was at the gas station, and there was a guy that was like, you know, hey, he got the stuff because Otis was a drug dealer. He was in prison before with being a drug dealer, but he was like like flicking his tongue at this dude, like blah, 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 he touches the guy's leg. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> it was like, um, you know, the scene, there was a scene where he went to his parole officer and talked about, oh, no, everything's good. I'm only working there two or three days a week. And he was out in a parking lot, probably outside the, the police station, gave the guy the drugs and grabbed his leg. You know, he, it, there was homosexual, undertones with this movie as far as like yeah. what yeah. Is all over the place. oh yeah I, I think they both have some serious like sexual confusion agree. yeah yeah i agree with them yeah but like like otis was 
he was such a sexual deviant, like trying to make out with his sister or like trying. He was like, he was like the dad of uh, what Becky was talking about. You know, the dad. With, how disturbing was that story of like the dad coming in and wanting to see his daughter at 13 years old? How he are you developing? Yeah. You know, I mean, this is this is those are the those little things where this movie is so disturbing and just like like oof. I feel for Becky too because she's like honestly really the the only like real character. She's the only human like being. Yeah, like in this movie. Well, she's got a daughter. That's um, so much that's happened to her. She still seems decent enough. Yeah, yeah. And she, she's not she hard to guy, the world, you know. Yeah, she married a guy Leroy that ends up going to prison later in the movie. It, it's off off camera but you know for murder or whatever and he's got a one million dollar bond and it's just like that's the point where she goes you know hey this henry guy's pretty cool and very polite to me poor choices i know he knows dad. that he killed his mother but jacqueline the thing Ugh. is is that that he gives off the vibe that's the psychopath is that that I being know. able to you know give this 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 perception of I'm normal. Um, I've had issues in my life, but I, I, yeah. I'm a polite. I, I being charming. Yeah, I, I'm charming. Um, Some I don't think it, are charming. It was charming. I think it was just, you know, social adaptation of being able to look at a waitress and say that really nice smile there. Hey, thanks. Uh, I'll take yeah. a pack of cigarettes, whatever, you know, here's your money. Um, that's what's scary about this movie. That's what's scary about the character of Henry is that, it's somebody you would never look at. Yeah. He didn't have this yeah. look on his face like he's psycho and just walking around talking to himself. No, he looks like an everyday man. Yeah, he's like a good looking. I think he's color. a good looking guy and he's there capable, you know. like you said, yeah. of being he's very, fit. of like, you know, socially normal. But, you know, it just, it makes me really sad for Becky that she's such a sweet person and she knows, like, objectively, information about henry that should be an automatic deal breaker for any woman alive and yet she's so like desperate for real affection and like attention and somebody to love her that it's like it really doesn't take much for her to like go all in on this guy henry like she's willing to overlook this he has this moment where he's like protective of her you know he like stands up for her against otis when otis is behaving like a disgusting pig and that's like that's like really all it takes for her to like kind of latch on to him and continue to like make bad decision after bad decision like she's from a broken home as well and yeah, the things that so have happened sad. to her from her parents like she understands that henry went through similar things so like i guess she you know she lets him off the hook on the fact that he killed his mother and then yeah. like her intimacy yep. with men and in general just having men in her life is like fucked up so yeah, and Henry does come in and sort of white knife for her. She's definitely like very taken by him. There's something yeah. that McNaughton yeah. does in this is that there's a close up scene of her when they're having the conversation is that she's got bruises on her left or right eye. But there's a shot of her like 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 she had just gotten abused or maybe a week ago or a couple of days ago that where she had gotten punched by Leroy, her husband. Yeah. Um, I think what oh, this is like you look like shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I think what happened was, is that Henry was so uh, accustomed to be social that he listens to her. Yeah. And that that's what really <laughs> drew her to him, regardless of what he did in his past, because obviously she had a piece of shit dad. 
the mom didn't care. She said that story. She she mentioned that. She's like, well, my mom didn't care or didn't believe me. And her her brother is trying to molest her. Yeah, he's and an the asshole. The thing was is that, uh, let's see, uh, Rooker says something about her earrings. Oh, those are really nice earrings. And she mentions, well, thank you, Henry. That was a very gentleman thing to say. You know, this is previous to Otis, like trying to make out with her or trying to molest her after grabbing a beer. Oh, Going back to Otis, the actor, uh, what is it, Tom Towles? Towles? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's been in a uh, he's been in several horror films. He was uh, he played Harry Cooper in the remake of uh, Night of the Living Dead. Oh, nice. And he's also been in two Rob Zombie films that I'm aware of. Oh, oh three. OK. Oh, oh okay. Here's, also, the, right? here's the other mention of Rob Zombie. Rob Zombie. Yeah, that was my one coming up later. I don't know. Who yeah, knows? He was in uh, what was it? House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah, he was in Halloween. Yep. Mm. And Devil's Rejects. Devil's Rejects. Rejects, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I get like, yeah, I get, Law enforcement. He, he, Law enforcement, he did yeah. look familiar. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he looks just like the sort of character too. that would pop up in a Rob Zombie movie. How much did you hate that character of Otis, though? Yeah, I didn't I like him. I, I, I would almost, without thinking about it too hard, I would almost go out on a limb and say that he's like in the top five most disgusting, stomach-turning, revolting, despicable deplorable yeah. characters in a film at ever. first he comes across as just a little trashy and goofy and then you get to see like what he's really like yeah even before uh the prostitutes were killed you know it was just like actually i kind of love that scene and, and afterwards not not the scene itself but afterwards of like they're sipping coffee they i, I guess they went to a burger joint yeah, Henry has and, no problem. He's eating. And burgers. Henry's right. just like looking at him and some fries. Otis is, is staring off into the distance. He's like, You okay? You want some fries? Yeah. <laughs> he has no qualms about like, what just Henry, happened. What's that? Like, like, the for fries. Henry. That was like the just a normal Friday night for Henry. Yeah, it was like the turn of the character for Otis of like, yeah, I could do this. Because yeah. in the scene after, he's just like um then they start bonding over there kills a yeah, little bit exactly right and this i like when they cool. kill the electronic the bootleg electronic salesman oh, i like that scene that guy giving them great scene. i like how he's just giving them shit about like the tv and how much money they have <laughs> yeah. he's like don't waste my time don't waste my time it's 50 dollars yeah. and the kill TV. yeah the kill is great they smash the tv over his head and henry's like plug oh. it in i have a little bit of trivia about that scene so um the guy who plays what like what would you call that guy like a bootleg fence, maybe yeah yeah fence? bootleg stolen yeah like, like you sell stolen stuff too like a buy, pawn shop type guy yeah, they call that oh is that a fence. is that like yeah. a real term a fence yeah. somebody's yeah. oh well thank you for expanding my vocabulary okay so the guy who plays the fence like f-e-n-c-e i don't i think so yeah okay so the guy who plays that role um actually almost all of the dialogue in that scene was improvised Including the uh, little the little zinger where he's like, "Oh, I see you've had some college." <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. He's like, hey, "You plug it in, it's right down there." He's like, "Oh, right down there," and he's like, "Yeah." Well, you've if, had you, some college. if you yeah. listen to all the extra characters, is that they really have a Chicago accent? So they obviously hired Chicago, you know, mm-hmm. extras mm-hmm. or whatever for this because it was very like Midwestern. Yeah. And then also, in case you were wondering how they filmed that scene with like slamming the TV on his head and then turning it on, like how they did that, they filmed it in reverse. So they started with him already with the TV on his head and then had him like pull it up and then just and then just reversed it for that scene. So that's how they did it without actually like injuring the guy. 
Yeah, but how they do the blood though? Because there was blood. I mean, they must have like filmed the blood part, like like a put like plastic or whatever it was on the TV to get the blood effect. Because that's what happened was they put it on his head. Maybe it was on the TV, and then the electricity thing maybe lifted it off or something. There was. I'm not sure. I don't. I don't know the details. Hot soldering iron. What What did you say, Hydroberg? So they also stab him several times with a hot soldering iron. Great. Yeah. He was fixing a TV or something, a radio as he, as they walked in. Yeah. Shouldn't have mouthed off to him. Yeah, fence is dealing in stolen goods. Oh, well, thank you. I'm going to try to use yeah. that in a sentence tomorrow. I, I've watched a lot of crime, <laughs> uh, crime movies and heist movies, so I'm familiar with Good. the term. Thank you. I always appreciate a new addition to my vocabulary. I don't know. Man, this movie was... Uh... <sighs> Which TV did they take? Also, did they, they took the good the one. color one. It's a good one, right? Yeah. yeah. The thirteen-inch. And they take TV. the camera, obviously, which becomes a main focal point of the film. Let's go back on Otis of like his turn of like. Okay, so it happened after the prostitutes, but then you know Henry's kind of teaching him of what not to do. The thing was, is like when they got the video camera is. They're filming, I guess it was like hobos out in the in park of uh, Chicago yeah. of them mm-hmm. like mugging somebody else to get another hobos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And it's just like he's not Bump even fights. paying attention. He, he's just sitting there like, what? Okay. He's eating a sandwich again. Yeah. He's eating. <laughs> well, this is where. That, yeah. Henry was actually just trying to explain to Otis is like, you don't you do the same method every single time. Yeah, and it was just like. Yeah. yeah which makes a lot of sense especially back then so speaking of the video camera i just i kind of want to talk about the scene where the two of them are sitting on the couch watching the oh, videotape of their of the home invasion yeah, well, we got, i mean we gotta it talk it's it's like <sighs> I mean, it's it's i think like a pivotal scene in the movie it is it's so upsetting yeah. to me i don't know about you guys but to me it's so upsetting because they're sitting on the couch looking totally relaxed as if they're just watching like, like Monday night football. Yeah. Like That's, I, mean, I wrote that down. Like you're, you're watching a game on TiVo that you missed. I like the way it's yeah. shot too. Cause they shoot it originally. When you first see the home invasion, it's shot like, Oh, we're there. It's happening right now. And then they pan out eventually. And you realize, Oh, they're watching oh, the videotape. It's already they're watching back. And it's, it's almost like pornographic. It's almost yeah. like, I yeah, mean, two guys watching me, but porn it's together or something. Well, or forgive me, but it's almost like, you know, a guy who like films himself having sex with some woman Mm -hmm. and then is like watching it later. And it's like, it's like gratifying to him. And that's the, that's the sense I got of this is like, they're just totally relaxed and they're like enjoying themselves. Like this is a night, a fun watch for them to like enjoy rewatch, reliving their exploits from the day before or whatever. I mean, that's so so sick. It's so yeah. disturbing about this movie is that, that yeah, I, and maybe that's what their thought is. Um, I'm going to go back to the actual home invasion mm. is that Michael Rooker puts the video camera down and what he does to that kid. I, I mean, if you watch that that scene, just just with the teenage kid, he the is rough with for his life. I mean, he like 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 he's really. The acting in that, I, I don't know if that kid got hurt, but man, yeah. it looked like he did. It looked like 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 the way Rooker just like put his arm around him. his neck and just 
like the way he snapped it and the way he was like wrestling with him, it was just like, you're going to die. <laughs> this, this kid is fighting for his mom and dad's life. And I felt bad just, for that family. I did too. I was just that like, this is like hard heavy. to watch. It, it reminded me very much of the home invasion scene in Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Yeah. Home invasion scenes when they so disturbing because it's such a reality. Like it could happen. So real. Things. Like, yeah, you're like, that's the scariest that, that thing could to happen me. to anyone. Yeah. I mean, that's it could be so happening scary. like right now. I mean, it's I just, know. oh my God. <laughs> but but as, as, as disturbing as Clockwork Orange was, it was still a little more sim- cinematic than this was because this yeah. felt so yes. gritty because yeah. it's more it polished was, to that. It There's was way more very, polished to that film. It was very much through a 1986 VHS camera of you know your found footage or your POV shot uh-huh. that it felt even dirtier. That, that you're like, why the fuck am I watching this? And then the next scene is them watching it back, drinking beer, like like Jacqueline. Maybe maybe it was pornographic to them, but yeah. you know the way I thought about it, and I was trying to think about it was like, okay, they're watching TiVo that they, they missed the football game. Mm-hmm. I like and by how the way, Michael Walker says scene. fuck the bears in this movie. Uh, can't <laughs> say that in Chicago. Oh, the bears. Oh, bears. You're asking uh, for it. So, yeah. like, I do like Sorry, also, Chicago. like, you see them canvas that area, right? They're driving into the suburbs and you're like, what are they up to? And then they don't really show you them doing the home invasion. They don't show you tying up the dad and beating nope. him up, which obviously had happened already. You just no, see, you just, like, like, thrust into the middle of into it. Into the middle of it, yeah, which replay. is even more disturbing. That was an interesting scene to me because it's like it, they uh, you see Michael Rooker drop drop the camera and you hear the d- dad being stabbed like you hear yeah, like, and, and, noise. Like, oh, and then all of a sudden the son comes in he's like get him yeah and he just like 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 you see it right on camera which was like oh my god this is oh and I felt really and, bad for the mom yeah right I have to say stomach. her acting was yeah. so convincing I mean it. It just feels so real. And I do have a little trivia about this too. Um, I didn't read anything about the actor who played the son being hurt, but I did read that Michael Rooker was afraid that he had actually hurt the actress who plays the wife and mother. And he insisted that she go get checked out. She insisted that she was fine. She was like, no, no, I'm really fine. You didn't hurt me. But he's like, no, I really feel like I did. Please go to the, you know, the like medic station or whatever that they had offset uh, and please go get checked out. And so she did. But she was fine. It turned into a rumor later, though, like kind of a little urban legend where everybody was like, oh, the actress who played the mom was so traumatized that she had to like go to the hospital because she was like distraught. But she has said in interviews that she was like, no, it's just he thought he hurt my neck and I was fine. So I could see that scene just taking it out of you as an actor. Are you talking about Tom Towles, the guy that played Otis? Because he's he was the one that was holding the mom. What did I say? Uh, Michael Rooker. Michael Rooker. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Tom Towles, actually. He yeah, because yeah, the hurt. way he grabbed her, it actually did look like, you know, because yeah. he did it in slow-mo a couple of times. And, you know, there, there was that oh. time before, um, you know, Otis tried to rape Becky was he was he, he was passed down on the couch watching in its slow motion, like in a loop or something like that. And it was just like. Are yeah, no, that when they're kidding me, so despicable. That, that slow motion comment when they rewatch the when they're re watching it on the couch and then they finish it, he rewinds it. And Michael Rooker's like, uh, Henry's like, What are you doing? He's like, I'm gonna watch it again, which is like, All right, whatever. It's just, and then, yeah, Henry then seems the, uninterested at that point. He's like, Yeah, he does. Whatever. He's like, Okay, whatever, if that's what you're into. And then, like, they do a slow mo sort of pan of the videotape of the woman 
being grabbed by um, Otis. And it's just so disturbing the way the director shot that. Like, yeah, that choice like, to go he, slow he, he, like, and have, like, the sound slow down and stuff. It was very. Yeah, the, the way they filmed ominous. it me was he grabbed yeah. her head and then like ripped her shirt off. Yeah. And it was just like. It's like reaching into her pantyhose. Yeah. Just, like ugh. at the end of the like at the end of that scene, it was just like, and then uh Henry just says, Otis, Otis, don't do that. No, 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 no. Because he was he he was like Yeah, bro. Excited by that. He's uh, like molesting yeah. a corpse for yeah, Exactly right. I, and it was just having the sun walk in. This is why this like, movie is so, so much more out. to that that scene. Uh, like, so that scene and then the scene of Otis raping Becky are just so upsetting tough. to me. That, like, I mean, I, I when he's raping Becky, I mean, it caused like a visceral gut reaction. I thought he was going to kill her. Same. No, I, I didn't. I, 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 you know, I didn't even think of it. It was just it was it was almost too much it, just for what he was already the, doing. I feel the that, same way. It, it's like anytime that scene comes up, I'm just kind of like averting my eyes of like, I, I can't watch this. It's um, so sick. And there's like, it's no surprise, is it? I mean, we've seen his disgusting, lascivious yeah. behavior towards her throughout the movie leading up to it. And so it, it shouldn't be a surprise, but it's just such a gut punch. It's just. It really is. He gets stabbed in the death. eye. Yeah. I think that was the, the one th- practical effect that was a little off. The face looked I didn't think so. It's still good. I- Again, a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, yeah, you're not no. gonna like nail it every single time. I, I, the one scene I forgot about that, and and Jacqueline, I'm not trying to poo-poo that because it's like I don't want to think about that because no, no, it, I, it, I it's, it's so rough. Um, the one scene I keep forgetting about is that Henry drags him to the bathroom. There's a trail of blood, which is like so good looking. Yeah, and he chops him up. Like and he the cuts noise off his head I love and it. puts it in a plastic bag, and I went. There's a noise that, that goes along with that so of like real. blood pooling out that just keeps mm-hmm. replaying yeah. and it's very loud. And I was just like, wow, that noise is like. But then you get the other gut, gut punch at the end of the movie of, okay, so I'm going to set it up for you. So, so um, Otis is dead because he's trying to rape Becky. Henry kills Otis, like stabs. I, like Several times. That not an awesome looking scene because it's like, so he keeps jabbing his hand into his heart or it's pretty or, rapey. Like, it's very penetrative. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Like, like he's just I trying like to notice his just reaction in the eye too. Did you see it? The, did he twist the, he twist the yeah. knife or the, 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 the comb. Yeah. And he twists it. So he drags him into the, <laughs> into the bathroom, cuts him up, puts him in a, a plastic bags, goes to the Chicago river, dumps them off. Right. But before that, obviously that the bags are in the trunk of Henry's car. And when he picks up the bag, right. Or, 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 or Becky's uh, suitcase, cause they're going to drive, drive off into the sunset is he can pick it up with one hand at the end of the movie. He's got to drag that same suitcase blood covered with two hands. So th- there's a lot of question of, well, did Becky really die? Oh, yeah, Becky died. Yeah, no, that, that's oh, Becky. He drives away Becky. without Becky, yeah. 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 Um, also, that when he throws, like, the last body part of Otis in the water, there's, like, a like a monster noise or something, sort of, that plays well, no, in the water. It, really? It's the yeah, same like screaming a, that you hear at the beginning. Like Otis. Of the or something. Like, I thought it was oh, Otis. Like, oh, shut up. Okay. Shut up. You know, it's that, that same kind sort of thing. Sort of sounded. It was pretty cool. I thought it, had to, I thought it was Otis's uh, voice or something. Well, it's probably him screaming. Or the monster inside Henry or something like that. It sort of sounded like a monster. 
The, so just I, I got to go back to the scene where he's cutting Otis up. I mean, so we see him actually start to break a little bit towards Becky a little bit when she's like, oh, my God, you killed me. And he's like, shut up. Let me think. Just let me think. And it's like he's never demonstrated that kind of anger towards her before. And it's a little uh, jarring. He doesn't want to kill her, I feel like. No, but... no, he does. I think it's like a I think it's like a wild animal. Like there's nothing you can do to tame a wild animal and just. He's going to do what he's going to do and you can't prevent it. Right. But that's the thing about Henry is that he's, he doesn't have any other emotion than anger. I mean, again, you see a smirk on his face or a smile on his face when he's dancing with Becky, when they first get the video camera, but he's saying, shut up, shut up. Another important scene was he's driving. And then Becky's like, like talking to him. He's just, you know, so, dead-eyed and she goes well i love you henry and he goes i guess i love you too exactly right so i guess i love you too they stay at a hotel and then he could have han soloed her and be like i know (laughs) (laughs) the one nice thing was is they get to the hotel and then you get the box art of him in his uh tank top right so, so he's sitting there looking at himself in the mirror, but that, but that's the box art because that's so important dead box art. Yeah. Because that scene is very pivotal. The fact that he's going to kill her. No, exactly. Right. She's sitting there room. playing the guitar and just kind of like, okay, I've accepted the fact that you've killed my brother. She didn't, mm-hmm. or that you killed my brother and my mother. And she, she's sitting on the bed, just playing the guitar that he had killed a hitchhiker that gave to Otis and Otis is like, you know, Hey, thanks for the guitar. Otis is dead. Now she's, she's accepted that fact, but you know, the fact, the way he looks in the mirror and it's so quick, but it is the box art of this freaking movie is, you know, he's like, it's time to go to bed. And the fact that he gets up the next morning, shaves, da da da, everything's yeah. great. And just looking around on some, unknown highway in illinois and puts out the <laughs> out the luggage yeah. oh and if it's if it's your first time watching this movie i think it's easy to think oh he's gonna leave becky behind like sleeping in the hotel room yeah, or something that's what you thought until yeah. you saw the blood on the suitcase and it's like bulging like this is yeah it's becky it's obvious I, I read that some people think this is an ambiguous ending and i no, I don't think there's anything ambiguous about it. <laughs> no, the only thing ambiguous is like what happens to him after. Like we don't know. Does he ever I get think caught? Nothing or because I think, hey, I don't he just think goes so on because, killing. Well, I don't think so That's... because we already know he's been doing this for a long time, and he talks about how you have to keep moving. And there is a sequel actually, but it's not. I've never rated seen well. it. Neither have I. I don't want to see it. I I, I like I don't the ambiguous need to. ending. Yeah. Well, what's ambiguous about it to you? Just the like not knowing what happens to yeah, him. Yeah, just next? not knowing to him. I, I kind of just, just assume, yeah, that I he keeps on going. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, I don't I don't think there's anything else to, to say. I feel like really. his relationship with Becky would have been one thing that could have given him a little bit of humanity, but he, you know, he that's not him. Do you guys think <laughs> that he had sex with Becky like no. that night? Oh. Nope, I don't no, think so no, either, no. but I I kind of no, question think, for a moment. I, think no, I don't think he wants to kill Becky outright. I do. It's just he was put in that position where he had no. I feel like he had no choice after Otis died. Here's the thing: is that okay? My opinion is that Otis was a drifter. Otis had family. He had Becky. He had his mom. He had his niece. Right, but nobody really cared about what happened to Otis. Becky came out to Chicago. 
Becky did not know Henry, right? So Be- people thought that Becky was going out to stay with her brother Otis. She never mentioned anything about Henry because you you see in a dialogue earlier in the movie is that, you know, okay, so Henry's the guy we have just been talking about, but he killed his mom. Oh, no, he didn't. Nobody knew who Henry was. Henry was the phantom. Nobody knew who Henry was because yeah, even he moves if around Otis a lot. Got killed, yeah, he has no anchor. Huh? He has no anchor or ties. Exactly right. So, he even so says, Henry, I'm gonna move soon. Henry was so good at what he did, and I say that loosely, but he was so ambiguous himself that that, that nobody knew who he was. He didn't have family. Yeah. But nobody knew that that Henry was living with Otis and and right. you know Becky. Like he's not on a lease. There. He's just like like you said, a drifter. Yeah. 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 And, and Becky didn't know who Henry was before she got to Chicago. She, you know, to me that my assumption was is that okay, Otis says, Yeah, come on out, Becky, get away from Leroy, you get away from this abusive relationship. She didn't say, oh, I'm staying with my friend Henry. The, the, the conversation, and McNaughton did a great job with this, is that 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 Henry was just kind of this, you know, my roommate. Because they mentioned spare room, you know. Oh, no, 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 you stay in the spare room. Right. So yeah. Henry was always this kind of like, almost, God, I, I don't want to say perfect serial killer, but nobody right. knew who he was. Nobody knew who he was. I, I have to go back to like the way I described him before, which is I, I think he, he's almost like an animal who just continues to follow his like his animal instincts yeah. and his like his animal drives. And I don't think he felt like a situational need to kill Becky. I don't think he was thinking in terms of like his external circumstances like, oh, I can't have this woman. Fall. I think it was an internal need that the same way like a wild animal is going to kill what it needs to kill or eat what it needs to eat because it's a wild animal. Like you're not safe. You're not safe around a wild animal and you're not safe around Henry, no matter who you are or what you are. Like eventually if you hang around him long enough, you're going to die. An animal is going to do what he's going to do. Right. Well, the thing was, is he was a psychopath because he lied about everything. I think the only truth that he told was about his mom, you know, because again, they were having a conversation we're going to San Bernardino. We're going to bring your daughter out there. We'll send for her. Well, but when do you, he, is he is he lying or is he like just so lying. psychotic I mean, that he like so first he taught he has a brother, but now he's saying he has a sister in his mind. I think he I think he believes he has a sister in San Bernardino with a ranch. I, I, I think he's just like out of his mind. But I also he had a conversation with Otis like talking about what's that. Just trying to calm her down and tell her what she wanted to hear at the moment. <laughs> well, no, I I don't think he was saying that to do that. I think because he told Otis is like, hey, you want to come with me? Like talking about just leaving. He didn't mention anything about a sister. He's just like, you know, we just got to keep moving. We can come back in a month. Yeah. I just think like based on this scene towards the beginning when he's talking about how he killed his mother, like he clearly told Otis that he bludgeoned her with a baseball bat we see him tell Becky that he killed her by stabbing her. And then later he says something about shooting her. I don't think he's lying there. I think that like thoughts, I think like memories and thoughts and facts just sort of get muddled in his brain. And I think at the time he told Otis that it was a baseball bat, 
he really he he was remembering killing her with a baseball bat. And I think that when he tells Becky that he killed her by stabbing her, I think that's what was what was playing in his memory at that moment. And I think it's just like shit gets really convoluted in his brain. And so I don't know. I just sort of extrapolated that to like. I think he really believes he's got a sister in San Bernardino. I don't. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just I kind he's of killed so many other people pattern. too. I feel like. He might have just yeah. been blending some of those other kills into that. Original. I mean, I think the mother is probably the most important one. So oh, I yeah. don't think he, I don't catalyst. think he would I don't think he would get like confused about that. Like, hmm, I can't remember. What did I do with her? I think like I think it's like his I think it's like his psychosis that's just Maybe. like giving him different memories each time. John, you're a serial uh, killer. What do you think about all this? Oh my god, I thought you were gonna say John, you're like a psychologist. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, I'll tell you, the way he did it was right. No, I'm just kidding. Oh I mean, you God. did leave, recently move from Minnesota. He's a drifter, Hyderberg. John's huh? a drifter. Oh, Wisconsin, I'm sorry, yeah. yeah. And now you're in another state, right? So what did Got you do? Got to keep moving, right, there? John? Yeah. I'm moving to Florida next, and then you Oh, oh my God. You can sleep on the <laughs> just couch. Just kidding. Disclaimer, no, I, there are I, no I, serial killers on this show. No, not at all. <laughs> Although Florida had a pretty gnarly serial killer. I think we've had several, actually. Yeah, I think so. Quite too. a few. Quite a few. No, I, I, I guess Jacqueline, I agree with you to the extent extent that he had trauma from his mom, and that's oh, yeah. what was the cause of it. But I also think that he's constantly a liar. He's constantly this. You know, I can adapt socially to everything, and I'm just this. You know, this exterminator that takes jobs wherever I can. You know, puts a smile and says, you got a really nice smile. And, and you know, the fact that he could, like, his explanation of killing was very, uh, very methodical of, like, you don't do it the same way each and every time. That, 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 you know, maybe this story about his brother or his sister was real, but at the end of the movie, it's just like, okay, so why is Becky dead? I mean, he's smarter than, than everybody thinks. So, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think Becky could have got him caught. And I think that's why eventually he ended up killing him. I think anybody could have got him caught. That's yeah. why he didn't kill the old lady with the dog. Because he did seem to have because an attack. If, if, he, missed, if he messed up on that, you know, it's he could have got caught. Yeah. But nobody knew that Becky knew him. Nobody knew that Otis was living with him. So, that for him was easier. But why would um, he but why would he worry about getting caught by like killing the old lady or botching the job and her getting away and being able to identify like we already know he's killed like a bunch of other people like why would he worry about that one and not another one Maybe it was maybe I think for dog. The dog I don't know maybe something that simple I have no idea I mean to me that that was actually an important scene because he didn't he followed yeah. her and goes hold on a second she saw my face so if I mess this up so he just went back home John you said he called her. the dog a boy and then it ended up it was a girl dog. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, maybe what's that, his name? That? And then she goes, Dolores. And he's like, what? Maybe and that reminded him of his mother is... putting him in a dress or something. And <laughs> maybe, like a sex, know. you know, maybe gender, gender confusion. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, I, you know what? I'm yeah. I took up. it as that they were in the light and she saw his face. Could be. I did wonder what was going on in that scene. Mm-hmm. Like, because the, the mother that he killed uh, after the, the um, shopping mall, is that she never saw his face until he came into the door with the exterminator pump thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that That's was interesting. 
I think it's interesting that his day job is an exterminator. Like even, <laughs> even in his like normal above board life, he's killing stuff. For yeah. a living. Anyway, just a small note there. <laughs> um, any other major stuff we need to talk about before we go ahead and give our ratings on this? Uh, did you guys notice that the end credits is like 30 seconds long? It just goes like real quick and it's like over. I don't know if that's an old. On shutter. Yeah. I guess I turned it off right after it was over. I did too. I didn't know. You got the yeah. boom, 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 boom. Yeah, I like the by the way, play. the score was dope in this. Very good. I do like the score. It's like very ominous. It's it it's 80s as shit, but I dig it. it like, is. yeah. It it doesn't overstep. Like it's it's kind of minimalistic, I would say. It like is. it's not over. There's not like too much music everywhere where it's like telling you to be scared or something. I think it's just like it get John, I think you use the word ominous, and I think that's exactly right. Like it gives you just enough. And never too much. Yeah, there's like there's like parts in the daytime where there's just like little keyboard, like you know, little Casio keyboard sort of parts, and then there's like the actual really creepy parts. When I they think it was the, that, you know, I guess that 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 decade where you know, yeah, <laughs> freaking John Carpenter just started this whole synth thing, and it was you know, sometimes it worked, sometimes it sometimes it did not, but. With this movie, it really worked. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Well, you guys ready to, re- to rate? Yeah, okay. that's great. That's Johnny, great. it was your pick. Why don't you go ahead first? Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to go back on what we just talked about. The sound design and score of this movie was fantastic. The acting was spot on. I thought there were like some really dumb kind of funny lines in it um i thought every character played a really pivotal role i think something we didn't talk about was like when becky first came to town is that that there was this um, whole montage where it was like upbeat and you know the streets of chicago she needs to get a job she she she's a shampoo girl at a at a salon which didn't bother me at all because it's just the way mcnaughton had zero money probably not being able to pay the permits to be able to film on the street in Chicago, but the gorilla filming of this movie was so brilliant. And man, I I can't say enough about Michael Rooker as Henry. Um, Some of the best acting I've ever seen in a long time. Uh, Again, I I shouldn't have watched this movie at 12 years old because it kind of messed me up, but I've developed a huge appreciation for this movie over the past couple of years. I've seen it multiple times. One of the few times I've actually watched a movie that we're reviewing more than once during the week and going like, I have even more appreciation for this. And it, uh, again, I preface this whole thing by saying that it's gone into my top 10 as one of my favorite horror movies of all time. So I'm going to, uh, I've done this a couple of times. I'm going to give this a 10 out of 10 uh, body parts and luggage. Oh, all right. Going straight for the the most brutal part, huh? Yes. Yes, I am. 10 out of 10. I think this is maybe your third 10 out of 10. Well, there's there's a show we haven't aired that I gave you 10, but it was Blair Witch Project in this one. Okay. All right. That's right. Oh yeah. Okay. I remember. remember? Yes, I do remember. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, cool. 10 out of 10. Gotcha down, John. Hyderberg. Give us your rating. All right. Uh, I'll give you some pros. I think this film is gritty as hell. And I really like that. The vibe that it, it has uh, just, it, it keeps it the whole film. Like you said, 
you get that eighties in Chicago vibe and it just really works for the film. Yeah, and you feel like you're there more than just watching a film and it makes you feel dirty when you're done. <laughs> um, and I think this, uh, the name of the movie is portrait of a serial killer. And I think that's exactly what this film does. It gives you a glimpse into the world of a serial killer. You don't, you don't have to understand them, but you're just, you're there and you get to witness some of it. And you're just like, like what the fuck? Uh, I think the acting's really good, especially Michael Rooker's performance is spectacular. I think it's one of his best roles, to be honest, especially if he's young in this too. And um, he, I definitely, I like him in all the things that he's been in since, but this is a, this is a really good film of his. Um, I, you mentioned the score. I'm going to mention it again. It's very ominous and I just dig it. It's eighties and I don't know, it just, it fits so well for this film. Um, there's not a lot of cons, but I do have some, I feel like the story here, like there's not a ton of story, right? Like it's a glimpse into like a couple characters lives and we're there for like what, a couple days, maybe uh, like nothing really happens in the film besides just like, you know, Henry's interaction with Otis and some killings and there's not a ton that goes on. Um, you know, the film's meant to feel, make you feel uncomfortable and I think it achieves that, but it never really goes anywhere narratively for me as, as much. So it's a little bit of a ding. And overall, I mean, I shouldn't really, it's not necessarily a, a horrible con, but it, this is not a feel good movie. Like you just don't feel great after watching it. And that can affect your score or your opinion of a film. So with that said, I'm going to give Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. I'm going to give a seven point, a seven out of ten body parts in the luggage. There you go. All right. How about you, Jacqueline? I'm curious about this one because you said you were excited about talking about this movie. Yeah. I mean, you guys have really taken the words like right out of my mouth. Um, Hyderberg, exactly what I was going to say about how the title tells you exactly what to expect and then delivers yeah. on that expectation. I think um, I, I agree with you that there's not a strong narrative arc in terms of like a beginning with rising action and then a climax and then a denouement with like it wrapping up in a third act. It doesn't really have that. I think the closest, closest that it comes to that is like sort of Otis's evolution, like of him descending into the life of a serial killer yeah. himself. But it's pretty short lived given that he dies <laughs> pretty short shortly after. But um, I think that's kind of the closest to like an evolution really of, of a character and any kind of narrative arc. What do you want to say, John? The only thing I want to say is that it, it, it's the title itself. I yeah, mean, right. that's that is the kind of film it is. That's exactly. What yeah. You're <laughs> I'm sorry. Right. Go ahead, and Jacqueline. so, yeah, no, I, I think you're exactly right. And so that's why in this case, it doesn't bother me so much. I know I gave um, the dark and the wicked a hard time last week for not having much of a narrative arc or really any, and got called out a little bit on that one on, on uh, Instagram, <laughs> but uh, yeah, sorry, by their Brian. own, their own but, Instagram page. But, but in this Nobody case, knows. it doesn't bother me because I don't feel like it's that kind of a film like this film. I don't really expect it to function as a, a normal narrative. I expect to have like a fly on the wall sort of experience. And if you're a fly on the wall, just like witnessing like a slice of life kind of moment of any individual human being, you're not going to see like if somebody's true. just following you around for a couple of days, they're not going to see like, a rise, a climax, and a fall. Life doesn't always happen that way. And I think what's especially interesting about this film is like, 
linked to that observations, you know, it's like a slice of life kind of thing. There's no like, I, I feel like there's no like moralizing or like judgment or maybe that's not the word I need, but there's no like editorializing on the part of the filmmaker. I feel like, like there's no, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? There's no like comeuppance for Henry at the end. It, and the violence that we see and the acts that we see him commit and Otis too, it's like, things just happen. And it's like, we're really just witnessing it like in a disconnected way. There's not like, um, like Stephen King famously said that horror is like a very conservative genre where like bad deeds are punished. Like, you know, we think of teen slashers where like you have sex, you drink, you do something naughty, you know, you get killed. And there's like sort of a preserving of the moral order in a horror film. And this doesn't do that. Uh, Like what happens just happens and it is what it is. And the violence is not stylized. It's not glamorized. It's shown in as realistic a fashion as possible. And I think that's what makes it so much more disturbing to me than, I mean, dozens of other slashers that we could all name that are like very polished and slick looking and the blood is kind of exciting and it's almost like titillating in a way. Like you're like, yeah, let me see the kills. And this movie doesn't function like that at all because it's not sugar-coated the violence is not stylized it's not romanticized it like it turns your stomach in this movie because it feels like you're watching something really happen and this goes back to what I said at the very beginning which is that the actors don't seem like they're acting and uh, I almost just said Henry Rooker Michael Rooker to me like he I will always be scared of him I'm sure that he's like a really nice guy but I don't know if I'd ever want to meet him because to me I feel like he is Henry. Am and I buying him a beer? <laughs> I do not want to buy him a beer. I do not want to get in, in a car with him. I do not want to get into a <laughs> motel room with him. I don't want to do anything with him. I want to cross the street the second I see him. So no offense to him, but I, I he could be a really nice, great guy, but I, he's Henry to me and I don't want to encounter that. So uh, you want to have burgers and fries with him? I do not. Oh shit. Nice callback. I well do done. not want to do that so uh i just think the whole thing and how uncomfortable it makes me feel in almost every regard is a real testament to the strong script by john mcnaughton and a couple of other co-writers i i'm sorry i don't remember their names the directing skill by john mcnaughton who i Richard think fire yes the other yes um to my knowledge i think john mcnaughton had never made like a scripted film before he'd made a couple of documentaries and so oh, that I, think that really, I think that really informs the style with which he made this movie. Um, the acting by all of the characters. And again, this was not a high budget movie. It had a budget of just over like $100,000. I mean, they weren't getting slick Hollywood people. These were like local theater actors who, who play the main roles. The acting is just incredible. And the way that like the practical effects that they use and the way they just made do with the budget they had I can't believe they made such a realistic seeming film so I I don't have any really serious drawbacks um I mean I'd have to really struggle to think of one I think there's some weird musical choices not the score but like the soundtrack where they're playing like rock songs that are kind of like cheesy I mean how big of a ding is that really 
but if you if you want to consider like does this movie set out what it or does it achieve what it sets out to do which is to be like a slice of life kind of non-moralizing sort of film i think it succeeds with flying colors i'm gonna give it 9.5 out of 10 body parts (laughs) and luggage oh come on (laughs) i I only refrain from giving it a 10 because i reserve 10s for like movies that have like a certain magic and like rewatchability this this is a movie that I really only want to watch maybe like every 10 years or so. It doesn't make, I think Agreed. because it just makes me feel so gross and dirty right. and turns my stomach. I think that, I think that's what keeps that's me my score is lower than it. Like I thought about going higher, but like you said, I, you judge the movie based on what it's made, how it's made and what they achieved. But I also like my enjoyment of the film is like, yeah. I didn't enjoy watching this as much as other horror films, but I enjoy yeah. like how it's made and the and not, yeah, I not to convince that. you guys the other way. It, it's just, in my opinion, it's just so brilliantly made that it's like, and like you said, Jacqueline, it's really hard to ding, you know, the the little musical choices. I mean, who cares? But but, but that was the music at the time, you know, and you know, whatever. and probably all they could afford with their budget, like they couldn't yeah, get like White Snake or whatever. I mean, like, yeah, there was a song in there. That, that, <laughs> there was a song that they used in there. You know, I made a mistake of loving you or something yes. like that. Uh, like as uh, Henry and Becky were driving um, and he asked her one last time, do you want to listen to the radio? And the song that came on said, I made a mistake of loving you. And it was just like, I was like, Oh my God, that's freaking brilliant. Yeah. And you're right. You're absolutely right. It is really hard to watch, but for me, it it makes me feel gross. And so that that's, that's really the only thing keeping me from giving it a 10, but in terms of like, how well is this film constructed and how well does it achieve what it's like trying to do? I think it's spectacular. So um, again, I would recommend this for anybody who has the stomach to handle it. But if you're queasy about like sexual violence, if you're queasy about incest, um, if these things are triggers for you, I do not recommend but then I'd again, say, I also wouldn't recommend listening to I would actually else. say any kind of like real violence. Like it, it, you brought up, like 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 it's real. It doesn't feel yeah. like you know this cinematic stabbing in the chest and you know it's real. It, yeah, it, you're right. It's gross. So like Tom, T- I, like after I finished watching the movie this week, I looked up Tom Towels on IMDb because like I actually I think. I think Otis is like more disgusting to me and turns my stomach more than Henry. I think Henry is like more dangerous, but Otis is so disgusting. And so I looked him up because I really was hoping to find something that would make me believe that he is not a disgusting human being. He plays a lot of characters that are sort of. Yeah. And so like, if this had been his only role and he was like, if that was like his only credit on IMDb, I would have felt really horrible. Like, ugh, this person is questionable, but he's been in a bunch of stuff. He was in like, an improv theater in Chicago. Like he's a legit actor. And so like that made me feel better. Yeah. He's in Rob Zombie <laughs> films. Obviously he's legit. I, you know, I didn't remember him from that. I'm like, he looks mentioned Rob Zombie. Where's the bump? John? Is it the last? We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Devil man. <laughs> but uh, it made me feel better to think of him in like an improv group and like, you know, doing some funny stuff. And like, it, it just made me feel like, okay, he's a, he's a decent guy. Um, but it, I, I felt like I needed to convince myself like, okay, he's really an actor. This is not like a disgusting person. 
So. Do we have any more trivia? I know you sprinkled it oh, out yeah. throughout. But oh, do we yeah. have any more trivia? Oh, I've got oh, so much boy. trivia. Um, there we go. I, I'll try <laughs> to keep it. I'll try to keep it like short-ish. But some of the most interesting trivia came from. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know how interested you guys are in this, but I, I think it's really interesting. Some of the real life stuff that this is loosely based on. Um, so for anybody out there who may not know, the events of this film are loosely based on some confessions made by the real life serial killer, Henry Lee Lucas. Um, and there are some things in the movie that are true to the real story, but there's also a lot that's very like fabricated. And something that's really interesting about Henry Lee Lucas is that he was caught and convicted for the murder of his mother. So that's real. Um, And then he was also convicted of two other murders that like there was physical evidence that proved that he did it. But something that's interesting is that he confessed to like over 600 other murders Jesus, that he, that he claimed he was responsible for in the I, state of in the state of Texas. He killed yeah, that many people. That, I well, think but Joe here's but so, so here's the thing: is like the police were like, "Oh, he's confessing." So he confessed to like eleven things, and then he confessed to twenty, and they're like, "Oh, he's," and then he's claiming he did all these other things. He's like, "Oh, I killed one person a week, roughly, for like eleven years or so." So people are like, "Oh, he like let's see if he can." you know, help us solve all these cold cases that we've got lying around. And so they're bringing him case after case. They would bring him like, they would let him look at case files of murders so that he would like learn information about them and then be like, oh yeah, I did that. So he claimed responsibility for all these murders, but then Mm. it turned out that the police were doing this really shoddy work that was like very questionable. And so it was so several of the murders that he confessed to it was proven that it was like physically impossible for him to have committed some of these like well he he was like i have proof that he was in another state at this time or something but there were also some cases where investigators said like oh he led us right to the spot where this body was and otherwise he could never have known this so there's a lot of like ambiguity and disagreement about how many murders he's actually responsible for like some people say it's this many you know others say oh well, it was only physically proven that he was responsible for these three like his mother and these two other people so the, the answer is like nobody knows but for a while he was getting a lot of press attention for confessing to these murders and he was being called like America's most prolific serial killer. I mean, if he had done like hundreds of murders Um, and, but the whole thing, when it turned, when he late, he did later confess that most of these confessions were a hoax. And so it kind of led to this new era of like, not necessarily accepting false confection, confections, confessions, um, especially because other criminals were starting to like, copy that and confess to crimes that they did not commit Mm. and he later henry lee lucas later said that like oh well when you go to prison like you get these little perks like you get to watch tv and you get meals and stuff and so yeah some of that was like an incentive and the police were also giving him incentives to help them solve crimes and so that was his motivation for making all these confessions. He was already caught and convicted and in prison for the murders he did commit. So he's like, Oh, why not? They're giving me stuff. So I'll just keep going. But then later, of course, many of them were hoaxes. So did you ever watch Mindhunter? 
I haven't. It's on my list. Uh, Horror TV. I don't, I don't always get around to because it's like Uh, such a time commitment, but tell me about Mindhunter. No, it's just really good. I I was just wondering if you had watched it. I wasn't sure if this, that killer was uh, featured on it. I can't remember which they had a couple killers featured on there. John, do you know if Henry Lee Lucas was ever featured on Mindhunter? Did you watch Mindhunter? I think so. No, no. The ones I remember are God, the two dudes from California, Charles Manson and uh, oh no, 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 the guy from Chicago was uh, Richard Speck. Yeah. Mm. Okay. It almost seems like that. I recommend it though to anybody that likes serial killers. Oh, hunters. It's yeah, on my it. list. I just like I said, it takes me a long time to get around to t- to like any TV series really because, um, like I said, Joe, you know, Joey doesn't like horror, and so TV shows that I want to watch, I have to watch them on my own time. Pretty much, we got to school this guy into horror. Well, I, <laughs> Mine Hunter is a good because it's more like thriller drama. Like, it really like, is. Yeah. It's not I a horror. Like show that's it's based in reality so yeah all right so anyway that was my little like mini lesson on henry lee lucas but i thought it was very very interesting to learn about like some of the real life stuff oh otis was a real person too and it was otis yeah yeah Yeah, that's weird it's anyway spelled o-t-t-i-s but anyway an interesting fact is that um in the movie they met while in prison but in real life they met at a oh shoot i already forgot and I have too much trivia to like find it, but they met somewhere. <laughs> but they met somewhere else in Jacksonville, Florida, which is the area, the metro area I currently live in. But yeah, somehow they met in Jacksonville, and they became like sort of partners in crime. So that's upsetting. Um, oh, so the film was shot in 1986, but it did not get a theatrical release until 1989. Um, it's often mistakenly claimed that this was due to being tied up in censorship issues with the MPAA. That's not really what happened. What really happened is that the producers of the film thought that they were going to be getting like a more traditional slasher film. (coughs) Excuse me. And so then when they saw this and it was not like a fun teen slasher film, it's, you know, kind of more nihilistic sort of like depressing, uh, gritty, gross sturdy film um they were like oh i don't know if this is really going to perform this isn't what we expected it to be we're not going to be able to draw on the teen audience with this one we thought this was going to be like a little kind of low budget nightmare on elm street so they kind of shelved it and didn't really like distribute it or make any effort to do it really till 1989 wow that's what it says that's what well i i know the mpaa gave it an x rating or whatever like maybe it was that 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 catapult to nc-17 but yeah oh you could see more brutal films now yeah yeah but anyway so the delay in release was not due to rating issues it was due to the producers being like yeah i don't know how we're going to market this and i don't know if we're going to get people to actually come to the theater to see this so they just kind of shelved it for a while um john mcnaughton had originally the the original script was like much more graphic in its violence uh but they they toned it down for the uh, for the final script, not at the request of any producers, but just to like uh, make the story, I think, a little tighter. I don't know, just sort of a creative decision. Um, so when McNaughton was kind of fighting with the MPAA over the rating, he said, well, are there cuts that I can make that will get this in our rating? And they were like, nope, there's <laughs> nothing you can do. There's no, like, this film is just so 
horrifying and like reprehensible immoral, <laughs> that that's a good word for it yeah reprehensible that there's nothing you can cut that will make it worthy of an r rating so he's like all right and then just like left it alone and made no cuts so that's <laughs> what do you guys so, think so- about that like what? like like on our 2022 eyes what do you think is it that reprehensible I, mean, I think I it's mean, very it, it, disturbing, but I'm not in yeah. favor of censorship yeah. to begin with. Like, and there's situations and people out there in the world that are like this, and this yeah. movie just portrays that. I mean, it's I, I, it's I, art, I, yeah, you know, and it's it's not for everybody. There I don't are films think it's that, gratuitous. There, like, there are films that I don't care for that are too too much for me, but I don't think that they should be like censored or not really you mentioned whatever, serbian but... film like that's a movie like i don't think ever needs to be made to be honest but i mean it has i a... agree well and but again I don't, it's... It, I don't think sorry go ahead john no i was just saying that that that's a movie i would never watch i mean yeah i saw this god it no it didn't come out before 89 because i saw it in 88 i was 12 years old hmm. that's weird maybe it's a mistake on imdb I don't know. but so no maybe but, it was, you had the screener john 88 yeah, the screener because yeah. you're Apparently big time. I did. Uh, no, no, I mean it's like like movies like a Serbian film of I've heard of it and I've heard of like some of the things that happen in it. Um, oh, you never seen know. it? I mean, it, it's like you you go with like um, you know the French extremity movies. It's like it, it it goes above and beyond like with the gore and it just depression. And this movie inspired so much. I mean, it, it just kind of. Uh, again, another Rob Zombie reference. You know, you look at, um, you know, the House of Thousand Corpses and, and stuff that he's done in, in French extremity movies. It, it's just got that realism to where it's just, it makes you feel sick at the bottom of your stomach. And it's like, I don't like watching this, but I kind of like watching this because it's different. Yeah. yeah. Like, like well, you said, Jacqueline, it's not exploitative. So. Well, and I don't like you asked the question, like, is this film reprehensible? And it's like, I don't think that just making a film like this is any kind of like moral transgression. Like as long as nobody is actually harmed yeah. in the making of a movie, then I don't I, I I don't think it's like morally reprehensible. I might find the content to be like. And I'm not talking about this film. I'm just saying in any film, I might find the content to be objectionable, but that just means. I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to say like, oh, it should be banned or it shouldn't have been made. Like I've seen a Serbian film. I didn't know what I was getting into when I watched it. Did not care for it. I don't need to watch it again ever. Mm-mm. But I'm even that I'm not going to say like it should. It, it's like it's immoral that he made it or anything. As long as nobody was actually harmed, then I, I'm not going to say that. Um, I am. I'm just I'm just not in, in favor of that kind of attitude. I've heard stories about that one, so I don't want to watch it. I only watched it because they covered it on Straight Challenge. I I wish I could unsee it. Because I'm hard with it. It is what it is. The further I get away from it in time, the 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 more it fades from my memory. So I'm hoping that one day it will just go away. Don't think about it. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Let's see. Any other Uh, producer and composer Stephen A. Jones was paid one hundred dollars. For his 14 months of work on the film. 14 months. <laughs> really? Poor Steven. Yeah. The guy that wow. did the oh wow. 14 the months score. to compose this. Well, and pr- he was a um a producer as well. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. For a hundred bucks doing two jobs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, labor of love, I, I I imagine. Apparently. Uh, 
throughout the sound, any sound, I'm sorry, throughout the film, any sound of a neck breaking is really a styrofoam cup being crushed near the microphone. And the sound of Henry cutting off Otis's head in a plastic is really a plastic mesh grapefruit bag being slowly torn open. You know, those mesh bags that you get your oranges in or whatever. I actually sounded good though. Like they weren't like, I couldn't tell what it was, but it was just like disturbing. Yeah, well, and the way he just casually turns and like kind of puts the head in a garbage bag, he's just like, Oh, here's a head. Like he's done it a hundred times. I mean, and that's like a human being that we just saw alive like two minutes ago. Mm-hmm. That's what <laughs> makes this makes this movie so fucked up. <laughs> it's so fucked up. Um, so this is kind of amusing to me. During the screening of the film at the 1989 Telluride Festival, nearly half the audience walked out during the family massacre scene. When the film finished, it was met with complete silence as the audience was so stunned by what they had just seen and didn't know how to react. As John McNaughton was leaving the theater, he was approached by a distressed man who informed him, you can't do that. McNaughton asked him what he meant, and the man explained that you can't make a film about a murderer who gets away in the end without punishment or without any kind of moral resolution, reiterating, you can't do that. McNaughton thought about this for a moment and then said to the man, we just did. (laughs) I love that. Ooh, so, okay, so this kind of like upset me a little bit for real. Uh, when Otis attempts to rape Becky, he begins to choke her with a scarf or a shirt or yeah. something. During the filming of that part of the scene, um, the actress who plays Becky actually passed out for real. Oh, no. That's, I thought he was going to kill her in that scene. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, let's see. The fake head of Tom Towels used in the decapitation scene cost seven hundred dollars. So that's kind of I don't know, they, kind of a big expenditure. Spend more money on the head than they did the guy who did the score. The guy who just composed the score. I if they used, yeah, I wonder if they used the same head that they did the uh, yeah. I'm going to say the needle did. thing through yeah. his eye. So mm, mm-hmm, maybe it was mm-hmm. the same head. Probably they probably filmed one scene first, the stabbing, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just speaking a little bit about the like kind of low budget of the film, they did a lot of kind of like do it yourself type stuff in this movie. So a lot of the small roles were played by crew members or like friends and family of the, of the main, uh, actors and, and crew members. So like, um, the dead couple in the bar or in the liquor store are the parents of John McNaughton's best friend <laughs> Nice. and the bar is where McNaughton himself used to work. Hey, you want to be in my movie? Sure. What, what role do you want me to play? Oh, just the two dead bodies thrown over a fucking counter. Just be dead. You know, the fact uh, that the brutality is seen off screen probably is a budget thing, but it works so well for the film. It totally does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the dad in, in the home invasion scene was a crew member. Um, he didn't I mean, see just, his face, though. No, it was covered up. So yeah. Baghead. So, I mean, there's just like a whole list of all that, like crew members kind of pulling double duty or friends and family members somebody's like the car henry was driving was the car of a crew member so just um the same woman played three different murder victims oh wow in in the opening scene so wow yeah um one of them is face down in the water so you don't even see who it is yeah so i i think that might be the same as um the one that the very first one or or something yep um what a waste of milk in that scene, though. Milk carton going down. Sorry? What did you say? The, the milk carton going down, like when uh, the woman's face down in the... I yeah. Remember that? 
I'm that so glad you that. I'm so glad you mentioned that moment because I think that's also like a really effective moment done with so little is that mm-hmm. like this human being is lying in the river the trash. like trash. Yeah. Yep. There like there's a I mean just such a total lack of humanity of these killers. I mean it's just <laughs> Yeah, like, you see the way he dumps the, the prostitutes right in the alleyway. Like, let's go. <sighs> so well, he just kicks the like a high heel like back behind the dumpster is like let's go nobody's gonna know yeah. yeah i mean just total disregard for like any humanity um l- my last little piece of trivia is that um henry lee lucas the real killer in real life he originally was sentenced to death that was later commuted to life in prison and so he died in prison of congestive heart failure fuck that guy <laughs> fuck that guy yeah. so that's it that's that's all the like salient trivia that i've got I guess what everybody wants to know is um, Jacqueline, it's your yes. pick next week. What well. are we watching? <laughs> I I feel kind of the need to like apologize in advance because I'm worried that you guys are going to hate me. But uh, <laughs> oh next shit, week, no. Well, before I well no no before I say this, um, John, would you like to tell uh, tell everyone about our special guest next week? <clears throat> Well, it depends on what movie you're picking. But yes, uh, I believe that we're going to have Anya Gore from Horror and More with Anya Gore on yes. next week. We're going to record yeah. a little earlier in the afternoon, but uh, yes. Have some uh, afternoon delight with Anya Gore. Her, her <laughs> and I had a discussion uh, what, about a month and a half ago. Yeah, it was a good episode. Yeah, it was like about, the great Rob Zombie debate. It was. Right? I love that. Where John. <laughs> oh, took shit. The... You are picking a Rob Zombie movie. Oh, my God. So John took the con side and Anya took the pro side. And listening to that episode of Anya's podcast, I mean, I just was like shouting agreement with Anya about everything she said. And I feel like for once, I need somebody on my side yeah, around it's gonna here. It's going to be the boys versus the girls on the next episode. It, it just may be. So since Anya's coming on, I wanted to choose a Rob Zombie film. And I really debated with myself over which one to choose. I did not want to pick any of the ones that I specifically think are like his very worst ones. Thank you. Uh, so I did not choose like Halloween 2 yeah. or 31. Or 31. Thank God it's not 31. Or 3 from Hell. Uh, I kind of I kind of gravitated towards like one of my favorites of his. So I was thinking either House of a Thousand Corpses, The Devil's Rejects or Lords of Salem, which I think is sort of a controversial one. Some people like that one. Some people still hate it. I've never seen Lords of Salem. I did not choose Lords of Salem. And the reason for that is I think that it gets a lot better if you listen to the commentary track on the dvd Mm. and i realize that not everybody has that and so you know homework assignment do that on your own time but maybe not for the podcast hashtag physical media yeah so then i'm like okay house of a thousand corpses or devil's rejects um between the two i think my personal favorite is house of a thousand corpses and i think has maybe more to discuss in it so I'm choosing House of a Thousand right, Corpses. Cool. I'm and also, right it's that. his first. It's his first film, and so let's just start at the beginning with Rob yeah. Zombie. So, House of a Thousand Corpses is what I choose for next week. Devil man, <laughs> yeah, I need. And we need that bump. We need those bumps ready to go next week. Jesus Christ! Okay, man, you're putting a lot of pressure on me. Come on, okay. man. 
Well, and if, if not, I, even, don't worry, John. If not, to, then I you know. guys can we'll just, just do it. Yeah, we'll impromptu. John, you can just do the yeah, and Hydroberg can do the devil man, like you know, a <laughs> couple dozen times throughout the episode. Okay. Actually, right. I'm very excited about talking about that. So uh, let's see what happens next it's week. Be a lot of expletives next episode. I think <laughs> a lot of curse words. Fuck this. Fuck. Fuck Rob. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. You never know. You never know. Let's just you see how know. it all shakes out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, in the meantime, if you have any thoughts about Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, or if you want to share some thoughts uh, for next week about House of a Thousand Corpses, feel free to email us at a cut above horror review at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at cut above horror. You can follow and reach us at Instagram at uh, a cut above one word dot horror underscore review. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Make sure you uh, follow us and become our friend on Facebook. A cut above colon poor review or wherever you listen to us. Uh, iTunes and Spotify. Rate and review us. Give us that Do five it. star rating wherever else you uh, listen to us. And uh, we, we talked about it last week. Amazon Music. Just tell Alexa a cut above horror review podcast and you can listen to us wherever you go. We're right there with you. Yes, we are. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you back here next week when we will be discussing Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses from 2003, two, whatever, three. Yeah. Like <laughs> and keep it creepy. <laughs>